0: This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. riding nowhere,
1: spending someone's
0: driving. I told you that um, last month Jason Trennert invited me to speak at the New York Athletic Club and. A bunch of uh, his uh, coworkers and friends, and it was a great time. And I spoke to the crowd. It was something different. They <laughs> used to these sports guys like Chris Russo and Stephen A. Smith. And I got up there and started talking about uh, my, my hectic, chaotic life and all my issues along the way and Trump and Eric Adams, and people were flabbergasted. Some ran out of the room. They were hysterical. And I'm like, now that's a good damn speech. And then we watched boxing all night with my friend Tom Muro. So then uh, it turns out Trenert who's a good buddy of mine is also friends with uh David Bonson, who's been on this show before this would be his uh, second appearance he's a very very smart economy guy I don't know what firm you work for or if you're a you on your own what exactly what, what is it deal
1: Yeah so I was a managing director at Morgan Stanley for many many years and I left 8 years ago started my own firm Office is right down the street from here. Is that right? And uh, we run a little over $5 billion. $5 billion.
0: Yes, sir. It's a lot of money, Dave, no?
1: It is. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, so what exactly do you do, though? What, what is your financial day uh, involved? What's involved in that?
1: Yeah, so basically you have real clients, real people, real money, and then you have to come up with solutions for what needs to be done with their money to meet their needs. Some people need a lot of income. Some people want to give a lot of money to a charity they believe in. Other people want to leave money to their kids and not have their kids blow it. You have to go find solutions to those types of things. Even uh, very wealthy people have kind of real-life practical needs to come up. They come to people like us to solve those things.
0: Do you find that middle-class people, when I say middle-class, you can make $750,000, which in most cities and most states, you're very, very wealthy. You make that in New York, you're living paycheck to paycheck, let's be honest. Do you find that those types of people are still coming to you looking for ways to maximize that. I think people are afraid these days not to just have cash, and they're afraid of what the future may hold. you find that type of salary, that middle-class person, is still very active in some of the markets you deal with?
1: Very much so. I think that you're right, that it's all relative, what the dollar amount is. And you also have to distinguish not just the income, which varies by geography as to how significant it is, but the net worth, the assets, right? I hear people talk sometimes as if a million-dollar home is expensive, which it is in some parts of the country. And then we know parts, including here in Manhattan, where – you got to get a lot, of, uh, quite a bit above a million to yeah. start, you know, talking about a number that makes sense. So it's all relative. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's not just relative from certain parts of Arkansas to parts of Midtown Manhattan. It's relative from Arkansas to parts of India and Pakistan. Sure. Right? Uh, wealth is by definition a somewhat relative thing, and I think that the income figure is less significant than the balance sheet. Somebody can make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and have no money. Someone can make a hundred thousand dollars a year and have five million dollars. So what they have, but they don't have five million dollars. They've got five million dollars in assets. That's not liquid. Well, it depends. Uh, some people might have five million, where some of it's in their house, some of it's in a rental property, and then the rest might be liquid gotcha. cash, stocks, bonds. Gotcha. A lot of American wealth is in four hundred one k plans, you know, and so that's reasonably liquid. It needs some advice. It needs some direction
0: you know, I speak to a lot of guys about this. You know, I'm friendly with Larry Kudlow. I'm friendly with Monica Crowley. They're all on the show. Charlie Gasparino, even a guy like uh, Ron Insana. So that's the other side of things, you know. He's still blaming uh, COVID for everything that's going wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love Ronnie. Uh, but no one seems to be really um, positive about the future of this economy. And they're very quick to blame Biden, as I do. Bidenomics is a complete failure, a complete failure. Some say recession. Donald Trump talked yesterday about a depression. Don't be surprised. Where are we really in this economy? How bad
1: is it going to get before it gets better? Well, so here's the thing. I am a deep movement conservative, a right-wing guy Grew up under Reagan and Bill Buckley. These are my heroes, mentors, and I've studied this stuff my whole life. And I have to manage money um, around what I believe, but not try to make the decisions I make as an investor uh, around what I want to be. I have to invest as to what is. Nobody really believes the economy is in a deep recession. Trump has to say that. It's good campaign rhetoric. You recall when he was running in 2016, he said we're in a big, fat bubble. Then the stock market went up higher when he was president. He said, look at what I've done with the market. So, you know, it's a bubble when it's somebody else's, and then it's great when you do it. That's fine. That's politics. Uh, Trump's a great salesman. But here's the thing. Uh, the economy has really deep problems long term because of government indebtedness. Short term, in the next six to 12 months, anything can happen. Most people have jobs. Most wages have grown. has nothing to do with President Biden. Uh, Those corporate tax cuts we did five, six years ago helped a lot. Trump. Yes. Repatriating a trillion and a half dollars from overseas back to America helped a lot. Trump. That's right. <laughs> the biggest issue where Ron Saad is wrong about covid, it's it was the response to covid. And this is where I don't really think Biden was the biggest cause of the inflation. And people think I'm defending Biden and I'm not. I think he's done all kinds of horrible things to the economy, mostly on energy. But you know what really caused the inflation was shutting down the economy and then reopening it. And lo and behold, people still like to live their lives, but they had shut down the production of goods and services. I agree
0: with you. There's no question that killed us. But if you left one pipeline open, to your point, one, energy, we'd be okay. We'd be okay.
1: I think that's right. I think energy is the deal from the 80s all the way through now. It still is what uh, affects middle-class people in the pocketbook the most. There's no question. And now... In an effort to bring down inflation,
0: you know, I watch these Dems on TV, they're beating their chest, inflation's down to three percent. It was less than two with Trump. Three yeah. percent is still too high a number. It's not eight, that's great. But what you've done is now you've strangled us with interest rates. So people can't buy a house, yeah. they can't get money from a bank. What good is inflation at three percent if
1: interest rates are closer to ten? I would point out though, and this gets into neither Trump nor Biden, but what was going on before? interest rates should have never been zero percent for eight years either. so what happens in our country is something goes wrong and then we over respond and then it creates a new problem, and we go back and forth with booms and busts, and politicians take credit for booms when they shouldn 't and then they get blamed for bust when they shouldn 't really, this fed policy is what i 'm most critical of I think that they went too high, too tight, rates are too high right now, but they never should have stayed at 0% for so long. I was critical of President Trump when he was president, asking Jay Powell to go to negative rates and all this kind of stuff. We don't need the Fed to put their finger on the scale of the economy. Free enterprise works. It's going to have good times and bad times. You roll through cycles, but you don't need the Fed kind of distorting the way all this stuff works. So if I have a buddy who's making a half a million dollars,
0: and he goes. Uh, I heard Bonson, Dave Bonson, in his show. I like that guy. He wears a nice suit. He's got a great personality. He seems really positive. I think I want to go to him. And he says, uh, "Look, I want to maximize this five hundred thousand dollars. I have no idea how to do it. I don't have a broker. I got nothing." Yeah. And he sits in front of you and shows you what he's got. And what would be your recommendation? Now, now of course, this is just based upon his salary. I'm not talking about other assets when he may just based upon his salary. What is Dave Bonson's recommendation?
1: And here's the way I'd answer it, because, again, you're right. There's other variables. How long-term is it? What's the risk tolerance? All that kind of stuff. We really don't want to buy the S&P 500. We don't want to go out and buy three or four big tech companies and assume that a really expensive tech stock is going to become an even more expensive tech stock. We buy what's called Dividend growth. 30, 35 companies total. Out of thousands of publicly traded companies, we own about 32 companies right now that are growing their dividend year over year. When you say we own, you're talking about you, your firm. firm. My firm. We manage this money directly in-house. We're not hiring a mutual fund. We're not hiring an outside manager. We run it. My traders, my analysts. I make every single decision for every dollar of what happens personally. So I've been the chief investment officer of this for 25 years. I want companies that are growing their cash flow. I don't believe that a company can be growing the dividend they're paying you and I if everything is bad at the business. You know, it's like they say about taxes. Some people make more than their tax return says. Nobody makes less than their tax return says. You're not paying real taxes on fake income, right? Right. right. And, and that's how dividends work. It's real money that the company is paying us. I believe dividends. I don't believe most companies earning statements.
0: So would you say then that uh, based upon the conversation, going back to biden for a second, where I think you were really uh, smart because you were level about the thing, and you're being honest, right? You're, you're right. Trump was beating his chest when the market was hitting 30000 I did this. I did this. Uh, would you say then that in the next 6 or 12 months, like you said, you just don't know, it could be a recession, it could be good, uh, would you say then that people should not be in despair about the future of this economy? That, that yes, listen, you should always be a bit careful and uh, keep some cash and, and, and maybe
1: even fear the worst, but to wake up every day terrified at this point is a bit much. I think it's a bit much. I think it's been a bit much for decades. It's more uh, pathology people have. We almost sort of feel good by feeling bad when we're we're hyper afraid. Well, you know what that is? Because if you prepare for the worst, then if it's not awful, then you feel like you've had a winning day. You know, it's funny. I'm not even sure a lot of these people that talk that way have prepared for the worst. I think it's more just they like to sort of sound that way. It's a coping mechanism emotionally. Yeah. But look, here's what I would say. Japan has gone for 30 years with no growth. They haven't fallen in the ocean. Their, their quality of life hasn't completely collapsed. What is it? But they have absolutely no economic growth. None. And I think that what we face is you were talking about the inflation was real low before Biden. It was at 1% during all the Bi- Obama years, too. That wasn't a good thing. We had no growth. We took on so much debt in the last 15 years, and this was over three presidents. Two were Democrat. One was Republican. Uh, The Bush presidency ran up a lot of debt, too. But now we've got to pay for that. That takes away from economic growth in the future. However, that doesn't mean we fall in the ocean. It doesn't mean an apocalypse. It means potentially just way less opportunities for our kids and grandkids. I think it's morally unacceptable. Is
0: Jim Cramer the greatest economy mind ever?
1: Economy mind ever? Yeah. yeah. The answer to that is no. <laughs> well, but I think yeah, I watch him on TV. Like, he knows a lot of
0: stuff. I don't know.
1: No. Jim is not an economist at all. He was a trader. He was a yeah. good trader. Well, Nobody gets out of that job in their 40s yeah. if they're really that good. <laughs> And uh Jim Jim has been wrong so much more than he's been right. It's yeah. not even funny. I but he has had an entertaining show. I hear ratings are way down. Way now down. Though. So yeah. for people who want to contact
0: you, David Bonson, how do they do that?
1: They can just go to Bonson.com, B-A-H-N-S-E-N. But then they got to read some of my politics, my economics, my point of view. That's the beauty of not working for another big firm with all their woke stuff and everything. I can say whatever I want. Some people aren't going to like me. Some people will. I'm okay with that. Good to see you, pal. Yes, sir. Excellent job. Good to see you.
0: That is uh, the great Dave Bonson. Yes, he's related to Stan Bonson. You are the uh, the great nephew or something, right? That's what they tell me, yes, (laughs) sir. That's what they tell me. Thank you. That's a terrific job.